G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Merch, the producer and host, and we have a fantastic guest joining us today. Want It All, an album from Little Wise is about to turn three. Sophie Klein, the artist behind Little Wise, around the release of the record, aimed to commit to becoming a full-time musician, together with living life as a new parent, the latter being reflected in a recent single, Heart Beats Quicker. The same time Want It All was to be performed to audiences, the health of the world was taking a turn and touring, which was part of having it all, was effectively gone. Though that did not stop Little Eyes releasing a live EP of tunes called I Want to Really See You and You See Me, a taste of what could be seen in person once face-to-face performance became an option again. Ahead of performing at the Trinity Sessions as support for the Tuck Shop Ladies, Sophie joined John at Sublime Cafe in Clarence Park for this chat. Sophie Klein, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, John. How have you been going? Well... That's a big question. I've been, you know, I've been riding the waves of ups and downs like the rest of the world and all things considered, I'm really well. If we look at 2019, that was the release of this album we'll be chatting a bit about. And that was the meant to be the catalyst of you becoming a full-time musician. Within the title of the album itself, it was an opportunity for you to want it all, achieve it all and get those dreams, desires, goals? Yeah. I mean, I guess wanting it all has taken on, in a way, new meanings because the past few years have showed us all sort of how much we have to be grateful for as well as how much can be be lost. But, yeah, I, I did start, you know, September 2019, released Want It All and hit the road right away to tour and was planning to make music my full-time thing and then of course the world had different plans and in a way I'm kind of grateful for not having to earn my crust solely from music because I think just in that little period my mentality was was very driven but earning an income for my family and putting the emphasis on music and, and the pressure in hindsight I think that wasn't exactly right for me and where I want to be creatively and so it's actually I'm finding it really liberating to not put the pressure creatively to also be the breadwinner for my family through my creative means. You did get the insight though I would guess through that planning process of what it would look like to be a full-time touring musician and a new parent at that. I did and and also the picture of how things are constantly changing as my child grows up and and the different phases we go through and how much she needs me around versus it's okay to be a bit more on the road. Can we set out whether or not the idea of the Want It All album, so the album is an idea then as a product in that it was a series of songs which we'll get to, was it a wish, a desire, a hope or a dream? Because only you know that answer. The song One It All was really about me being in a bit of a point of uncertainty in my life. Do I want to settle down? Do I want to play rock and roll? Do I want to have children? So I, I think it was a desire 
And it was interesting because as the album was being released, that was already shifting within me between the time that I'd written the song and first had conversations around those ideas of just being torn of which direction will I go. The point where I was releasing the album, my daughter had been born. It was funny because when I was releasing the album, people were like, oh, is it all about new parenthood? And I was like, you guys really don't know how the album release cycle works. Like this has been written and recorded and and ready to release well before she came along. To answer your question, I think it was a desire and I think it still is a desire. But when I play the song live, I I almost feel this... um, this sense of gratitude, like I actually do have it all if I look what it all is. I've got all the important things. What sense of time travel is there in this record and playing this record? Because if we look at those themes of looking back in the past of people who have been in your life and where they're at. There is a bit of nostalgia in the record. Interestingly, when I've been writing new songs now, I keep coming back to reflecting on the past and the songs that I've played to people so far definitely have a sense of nostalgia permeating like I've been writing a lot of songs about when I was a teenager and and that's sort of something that bubbled up throughout the lockdowns in in Melbourne during COVID I had recurring dreams from the period of when I was about 16 to 21 and in all the dreams I was surrounded by friends who'd been my closest friends at those formative times in life and I think there was a reason that they kept bubbling up in my dreams. The song is called 17 and it's about we used to listen to the radio and hit play record and and now we have jukeboxes at our fingertips and we've lost a bit of the romance but then in the bridge I sing about how the kids these days really get it and I've got hope for where we're heading in the future so it's kind of like Things have changed, but I never want to be one of those people who are like, oh, the the next generation doesn't know anything or they don't know what they're doing. It's actually like there's wisdom in both up-and-coming generation and they've got something beautiful to offer. I see as well with my young people I work with as a youth worker as well. Can we draw yeah. you back to it doesn't work like that? I want to in the sense of time and how we measure and expect time to do things for us. Well, it's it's really about a, a relative of mine whose child went through childhood brain cancer and how sort of me reflecting on how life just isn't fair <laughs> and what do we do with that and where do we put those feelings. Yeah, gamble with time was the line in that song a little bit about when a young person's really ill and you see the older generation say like, oh, why couldn't it have been me? Like that kind of reflection. So it's interesting because it came from a really raw and hurting place, but it turned out to be quite a rollicking kind of rock and roll song. I like that juxtaposition in a way about what it originally meant for me versus how the, the song musically came out. Things are good, they also have to be worse as well. There's this sort of balance you seem to bring across in your lyrics Mm. a lot of the time. Where does that come from? I guess it's just being a human for me. It's kind of the bittersweet existence of the highs and lows in life. Like I was just thinking my grandmother used to have a saying, you can't dance at everybody's wedding. (laughs) And it's like even for the things that you want to celebrate, you can't always be there. And I don't know, I think that's just my human condition is when it's, bad to want to see that it could be worse and how good we have it compared to how it could be and when it's good 
tempering that a little bit as well with but there are people going through hardships at the same time silver birch was an album about your mother Mm. you now as a parent what are you hoping those conversations will be like in terms of social issues and people's place in society yeah well it's interesting like being a parent you always want to be teaching your child and I guess the best way to teach them is through your own actions I don't know I think I I've just reflect a lot on how I was raised and I feel like we all either react and do the opposite of, of what our parents wanted or we just end up sort of becoming our parents slowly which is interesting because I have a, another new song which is kind of about understanding a little bit more where my parents came from compared to how I didn't understand them when I was a teenager. That also brings up the case, firstly, did you want to be a parent? Yeah, I did want to be a parent. I don't know if I was ready to be a parent, but I don't know that anyone really is ready to be a parent. In some ways, I'm still not ready to be a parent, and yet here I am parenting and doing my best I can, like most parents, and it's hard to sort of encapsulate how that is because it really depends on the minute, on the day, on the hour. I want to personalise it to you as a singer-songwriter. Has your writing changed because of it? Because the first single in a long while from you was Heartbeat Strong, which was very much about this being a parent experience. Yeah. Has it changed you as a songwriter in any way? It has. And, like, I remember um, after my daughter was born, there was a little period where I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm a songwriter, so I have to write the song about parenthood. And obviously there's no the song. There'll be many songs and many permutations Mm. along the way. But one of the first songs I wrote after my daughter was born was not about her at all but I was able to channel a whole new set of emotions in my writing. It's a song called Call Your Bluff and it's really about a relationship and being willing to do just about anything for another person and it was cool because I could kind of access this new set of emotions different to being in a romantic relationship or a partnership, different to a friendship, different to, you know, me and my parents, but someone who I would, I feel that I would do anything for them. I think it has changed my songwriting because, A, I have a whole new set of emotional depth that I can access. And B, I think it's made me more purposeful about my songwriting purely because the way I spend my time is different and I have to be a lot more disciplined and get to work because I have this person who's taking up a a chunk of my time that I didn't, you know, previously have responsibility for. Is it a sense of home in the emotional sense or is it a sense of muse? I think a bit of both, yeah, a bit of both. In, in some ways, like, having a child has made me even possibly a little bit more driven. That was maybe a bit more so initially because there was no such thing as just going out to do a, a gig and, like, it was sort of like every show 
was sacrificing time spent with her or more pressure on my partner who was then home with our daughter and nights away where I couldn't do bedtimes. Or mm. So every show had to really count because otherwise why am I sacrificing this important time, missing important milestones? You face lit up in terms of bedtime. Is there a sense of storytelling within that time? Yeah, I love reading stories. I'm sure lots of people do, but I love children's books and my daughter's three and a half now, so we get to really delve into stories and I think songwriters have a lot to learn from children's book authors. I was about to say, not about her, but in terms of children's books, you understand the rhythm and the minimalism in a way of children's books. Yeah, and it's also like, I think it's Laurie McKenna or maybe it was... I'm trying to remember who said this, but someone I heard a podcast or I read said that they've just got a... Maybe it was Lucinda Williams actually said that she's just got a really short attention span and that's why she writes songs, not novels. (laughs) And I think in that way, children's books are perfect like that because they're short, they're self-contained, they usually can only deal with one topic, like any good song should really just deal with one topic to have clarity. And music has music and words to tell the story and children's books have pictures and words to tell the story and they have to work together so so there's a lot of similarities the christmas song on the album is joanna aware of this song uh no joanna is loosely based on somebody who used to live in my street and I didn't change her name, which was a little bit of an interesting move. So, sorry, Joanna, if you're listening. I used to get a little bit worried that when the band would come over to practice and we were playing that song, that she might come and hear. But really, it's respectful song towards Joanna. It's just about the plight that she finds herself in. The title track, Won It All, in 2022, do you think you have it all now? Has that want become a reality? I think I have it all in terms of what I wanted in the song, which was to have a family and settle down, but to still be able to play my music and express myself. And have no debts. Get out on the town. <laughs> have no debts. <laughs> Don't know about that. I think, like anything, it's like maybe what I wanted then, I, I think I have now, but maybe what I want now is also has changed, which is probably only natural that we keep changing and evolving. I want to ask you about that give and receive element of that song as well, because that is the whole community charity thing. Is that what you're talking about in terms of the giving and receiving? That was actually more about in my relationship that yeah. I, you know, I want to play music the type of music that I play and the way I want to do it in this original music scene doesn't exactly bring in the big bucks. And it was like, I want to show you that I can give to this relationship to, um, you know, financially and, and support our family, which I guess I, I have in my, my own way, found my other ways and, and always kind of carved out an existence in other fields as well as music. I feel really lucky to have that. Well, still having music centrally. The pull of music has always been so strong. I think I've sort of come to understand that that's always going to be a part of who I am. There's almost no point in fighting it. Like, it's just 
there, let it come through. It's interesting because looking back on the pandemic years, some of my peers and friends who were most successful in their music suffered the most because it was their sole income and their driving purpose all taken away Mm. and those of us who were able to have more than one thing that we do were pretty lucky really it's kind of ironic that those who were in a way doing the best in music were hit the hardest currently in conversation with sophie klein just a quick mention to support act they look after those in the music industry who may have well been doing it tough during the last few years or continue to because of what's been happening their website is supportact.org.au for resources that website again was supportact.org.au and there's also an avenue to give a donation if you wish to do so to the work that they do now back to our chat with Sophie Klein of Little Wise. Let's talk about some of the ins and outs of the record. Talk about the producer, the recording, and the mixing was done by Fraser Montgomery. Yeah. And Nick Eden. Nick Eden, yes. Edin, sorry, Nick. Uh, was also producer and recording in the mix as well. Mastered, master sounds. You seemed really comfortable in that environment at the Avery studio. Was that the case? Fraser and I in particular have a quite a close working relationship I think we sort of got our process down (laughs) to a T by the end of making the album and we always said we got to do this again sometime now that we've we've got our flow and we know what we're doing and no spoilers but that's exactly what I'm working on at the moment is album number three at the Avery Studios in, in Abbotsford, Melbourne with Fraser. Really admire his palette of his sonic inspiration but also the way he's able to you know we can put technicality aside because he's got a good handle on that and then it becomes purely about the music and we worked with amazing musicians as well Josh Barber who played drums as well as my regular drummer Pam Zaharias Josh is going to be co-producing some of the next work great producer and engineer in his own right there's some really blues open organ movements in Come Back for More from Brendan McMahon, which really makes the, uh, that particular song as well. Yeah, there's, he's, and he's an incredible Hammond player who we were lucky to just get in for a session, which was awesome. Now I've just come to feel really at home at the Avery Studios. You continue now to work with Avery Studios. Yeah. And I want to talk about what's in that space, what kind of interactive elements Uh, within the Avery studio that make it so good for you? Oh, well, there's a number of rooms. So there's the the main room, which is big enough to accommodate a whole band. There's a vocal booth and and another little room and and the control room. There's cool guitars. There's there's a Wurlitzer. There's a bunch of different keys. I think it's probably more about the people. The, The space has come to feel really comfortable, but probably because of the rapport and great working relationship that Fraser and I have built up. Each of the first two records had their own very distinct sound. Is this going to be a more rockier, heavier record, the third one? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be maybe a little bit more soulful even. Not in the sense of uh, soul music, but I think the sonic palette is kind of acoustic warmth meets classic pop rock and a little bit 80s inspired which you can hear in heartbeats quicker 
that's probably maybe going to be the maximum end of right. layering and, that's and big sound. That's where I was getting the suggestion. And the rest of the material is probably a little closer to the acoustic warmth sort of folk Americana. But in every song I'd like to take something that's like I, – I really love the idea of sort of two sonic elements that are quite different kind of coming and rubbing up against each other. <laughs> so like warm acoustic guitar meets – synthesizer or drum machine Mm. or something unexpected and kind of taking each element that's really classic and putting it up against something you wouldn't expect so I, i think we can expect a bit of that on the new record that's that polar thing happening again so both lyrically before worst and best and now yeah orally two sounds yeah i've also been listening a little bit differently like Kind of like these artists who are doing things that are almost like classic American heartland rock, but a little bit different. So there's an artist, His Golden Messenger, who I'm really into at the moment. And that's where that kind of soulful thing comes from. Not necessarily soul music in the sounds of Hammond organs and horns and things like that, but in the spirit of the music. Another one I've been listening to lately is Waxahachie. To be honest, I think being an artist who doesn't really fit into one neat genre has in some ways been really challenging because it can be hard to find my niche. Mm. But in other ways, I have to just do what's true to me musically. And the artists I love, like, don't make the same record twice. Like, it has to be different. It has to have its own feel, its own world. The sound has to keep evolving. Let's talk about an artist I believe you do admire and they are the co-writer of a song called Heart Beats Quick which sounds like it is going to be on the album so the first single we can now say from the third album. 14th of April 2022 is when the single was released. It was co-written while in Nashville at uh, around the same time I believe that you're playing Bluebird Cafe uh, on your way obviously to uh, New York City to play Mondo around the same time as well. Well, actually, it wasn't written then. That's when Larissa and I first met. First met. Was in Nashville. What is the Sophie and Larissa story, musically speaking? Yeah, so Larissa and I met in Nashville. They were doing a songwriting residency where they were basically working every day on Music Row, being thrown into co-writing situations with all different musicians, songwriters, you know, writing for country music stars, writing for advertising, just writing, writing and really getting their chops really strong. And I found that really inspiring and was picking Larissa's brain a lot of the time in in Nashville when we started talking about it. Yeah, loved hearing about the life of a working songwriter. So when Larissa came to Melbourne just before the pandemic hit in, I think it was early 2020, Uh, We got together and when you sit down to write a song, I always think, I haven't done heaps of co-writes, but the ones I've done that have felt really great are when you can find a common ground and you go from there. So Larissa and I, both queer, both had just had our first kids born in the same month. So that was kind of obvious, an obvious starting point. I loved connecting with Larissa to write this song and I'd love to do that you know, for someone else as well is, is co-write a song and, and have it go off and get wings of its own and do its own different thing as well. It's, it's a cool thing as a songwriter to, to get 
one of your songs cut and I think Larissa and I just mutually appreciate what each other does and it was great. I love how it worked out. How are you finding these newer songs live if you've had much of a chance to get them out live? You're here in Adelaide to perform uh, a yeah. support for the Tuck Shop ladies. How are you finding them alive? Really good. Like it's, it's really important for me to get a chance to road test how I feel about the song live, both how I feel singing it, how I feel the audience is receiving it. It allows me to hone how I sing it before I go into the studio and I'm probably enjoying playing the newer songs the most. I want to draw people's attention to a 2020 live EP which was released during the times when live music couldn't be a thing. It's called I Want to Really See You and You See Me. Was that title inspired by Courtney Barnett for being so long and wordy? Oh, an obtuse uh, (laughs) album title. You know what? Maybe... It was there in the back of my mind. (laughs) Uh, Maybe she just made it okay, you know, for us to be able to do that. It's like, oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can name it whatever you want. That EP was released in lieu of all the tour dates I had planned and was sort of my little gift to people, I guess, of, oh, well, you can't see me live, but here you go. Here's some live recording audio from the archives. I'm quite aware that I have a prime opportunity here to talk to you about the new record and what's on it. What's the thematics of this new record? The first one was about your mother. The second one was about you and getting your freedom. It would be very naive to say that this next one is about parenthood. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think it's still coming together, so it's a work in progress. At this stage, I would definitely say parenthood is a theme, as well as reflecting on my own formative experiences in teenagehood and childhood which I think makes sense because when you're starting to raise a child I guess you think about your own childhood and so a sense of understanding coming to, to a new understanding of my parents and how I was raised and also raising my own child as well as like coming to terms with this with a new identity in in life so yeah, watch this space. What do you think your mother would say of these, the music that you're now producing? And what sort of validation would you need from her? Mm, that's a really good question. I think she'd be really proud of me, to be honest. I mean, she only ever got to, to hear my very first EP, which um, maybe at the time I was proud of, but now I see how far I've come and, you know, like everybody's first batch of work it's have to cringe a little bit when I hear it now but I remember actually her face seeing me at the performer at the EP launch and I remember how supportive she was of helping me me get that recorded as well yeah I'd like to think she'd be proud I think still maybe some of my choices in life are different to how she would have her life but I I'd like to think that she'd be proud and happy to see me live my own truth because that's, I guess, probably really how she raised me was to be happy. And you're now getting ready through this songwriting process and you're probably doing writing outside of the actual release songs as well, one would think, Mm. being a a full-time songwriter in that sense, of lyrics and songs that you'll be able to pass on to that next generation in terms of a, a journal on how to live life when they reach 17. Yeah, uh, songs that I've pers- that I'm writing right now. Yeah. yeah. 
that's a nice way to see it actually to leave that kind of legacy or instructional <laughs> manual not that there is ever one but recording my own thoughts ideas and, and insights and hoping they resonate with with someone what are you reading at the moment I'm going through a bit of a Tim Winton phase, actually. I just finished Cloud Street. Interestingly, a lot of my books I'm going through at the moment are from my parents' library that I inherited some of when we packed down my childhood home. And so now when I want a new book, I go onto my bookshelf of mainly my mum's books because my dad's not such a big reader, um, not such a fiction reader. So the childhood home as in the Silver Birch home? Yeah, the Silver Birch Home. So I've got a bunch of books at my home now that uh, came off the bookshelves there when my sisters and I sort of divvied up who wants what. So, yeah, I'm going through Tim Winton. I saw on your book list, Jeff Tweedy, what's it about? Are you enjoying it? Have you read it? How to Write One Song is fantastic. And I've read about half of it, but I've actually gone back to the start of the book holding a pencil so that I could underline all the parts I love. I thought it might be one of those kind of books. <laughs> it's a really liberating read. He talks through his process of writing a song and really looking at it like you do any piece of work where you have to sit down and, and really work for it. And also training the subconscious to be looking for materials for a song all the time. And like anything you do, the more you do it, the easier it is to train your subconscious to continually work away in the background. What do you do to keep your songwriting brain active? Is there particular excursions or skills or tasks that you set it to do that? I just keep a lot of notes, really. I just try and have a regular practice of it, like I've got it in my diary. What's one of the most important things in your studio writing space? It's a good question. I, I don't, I'm not someone who has to like have my writing space set up in a particular way. I probably have to have like a notepad or something nearby where I can write down thoughts that are outside of the realm of songwriting <laughs> so that I can just put them somewhere to be addressed later. What's one of your top tips regarding editing songs? Well, the first tip would be don't try and edit while you're initially writing the song because that's really interrupts the process. Someone once told me, you know, right at the top of the page that, you, you know, I give myself permission to write complete and utter... Yep, BS. T- BS yep. <laughs> at the top don't of the page. Don't want to offend the American listeners. Firstly, separate the editing from the writing and definitely come back on a different day to edit. And then I guess... For editing, I just always think, like, try and be lean. Like, only say something that's going to add to the song in some way. Be prepared to justify why that line needs to be there. or And that's where sometimes playing it live can really help because sometimes it's only once you're playing a song to somebody that you realise that that line that, you know, you thought you could get away with, maybe you can't get away with it and maybe you can come up with something better. So... Nothing like having to play it in front of someone or some people to really make sure every line is right. What would you like to say about this song before we throw to it? Well, this is my song, Want It All, and in so many ways I really have it all, but I'm still searching for more. Sophie, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, John.
city so I can hit the town but I wanna move to the country so I can settle down I don't wanna settle down just yet I still got some crazy nuts ahead but I wanna settle down someday someday soon I want it all I want it all See the world like a troubadour But I wanna hold A steady job, be responsible I don't wanna live a life in debt To big men in suits who collect the realm But I wanna show you title track of Little Wise's second album performed live for Radio Notes. Find music and touring dates at littlewise.com.au. The chat with Sophie Klein was recorded at the Sublime Cafe. 
Next time, the right kind of love and wanna go pop star of the 90s, Jeremy Jordan, from the archives. Thanks very much to Sophie Klein for being our feature guest today. Also to Sublime Cafe for their hospitality during the recording. And a special thanks also to Fraser Montgomery, who mixed and produced the audio recording of the live version of Want It All. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Murch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 